Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inspire the Podcast with myself, Nicola Wills. Today, we have a very exciting guest by the name of Laura Blair. Laura trained in musical theatre after receiving a scholarship for three years. She then went on to gain a first-class degree in fashion management and marketing. And it was around this time, whilst Laura was based in London, uh, that I met her. And I have seen her literally transform into a luxury fashion and beauty influencer with over 1 million followers across Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. She has worked continuously through the years with leading brands such as Karen Millen, Dior, Marc Jacobs and many, many more. Hello, Laura, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Having me. No problem. So obviously, Laura, I mean, we have just touched the tip of the iceberg of the things that you have already achieved in your relatively short career as a fashion blogger. So like the outside world and anyone that has listened or seen your, um, you know, any of your Instagram pages or your TikTok or your YouTube, it is slick, perfection, high end. It's exquisite. Like I, I look at you and I even know you and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just flawless. And I think sometimes obviously from the outside looking in, people might be like, oh, well, I could never do that. You know, I could never look like that. My life could never be like that. She's just so perfect. And obviously I know you and I know, and <laughs> I know that it's not a lie, but it's just a whole of facade. It is a little bit. You just see when I wake up in the morning, it's not too great. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would just love, Laura, to take it back to the beginning. You know, let's just find out about who you are and what made you into this incredible influencer that you are today. So you can probably tell from the accent, I'm from up north on the outskirts of Liverpool in a place called Wirral. I had an amazing upbringing. I couldn't have asked for better. We were a family that worked really hard. So my parents have literally been my biggest inspiration. My mum made me believe I could do anything that I wanted, like literally, except sing. She was really adamant about that. <laughs> you can do anything you want but sing. I'm a bit toe deaf. But even then, I actually went to the X Factor and made it to boot camp. <laughs> so actually, self-belief gets you a lot further than actual talent because I'm toe deaf. Um, and my dad was such a hard worker. Was as a family, we moved to like three different places. So we really grew as a family like we didn't just stay in one place and I think when you look back at people their upbringing shared like says so much about the character and who they are so yeah I thank my upbringing for a lot of the things that I've achieved for sure yeah do you, do you feel like that stability of your family life gave you like almost the wings so that you know that you could go and try everything try something and you know if it doesn't work you like you haven't lost anything and the funny thing is, I've actually been back to my parents' house twice now, or like three times, because every time I like, I think when I first moved to London, I was so scared of going back home because I, I felt like a failure, because I moved to London when I was 21, and I felt like, come go home, I would just be seen as a failure, but actually, I changed the narrative of that, and every time I needed to take a breather, or I, it was financially more, like, um, a better plan I went moved back in with my parents when I was 27 um I moved back in recently last year when I, I had a massive court case happen last year I got scammed out of 50,000 pounds by an influence marketing agency 
so I'd worked for a year and I just had to go home just to be around my parents again. So I, I thank my lucky stars that that has been my upbringing, that there's always been that safety net. Cause I, obviously I understand that not, not everyone has that. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to go backwards because sometimes it can push you forwards. When I was 27, I actually packed my bags and went back to my mum and dad's again. <laughs> I was like, I'm back to start the influencing career. And me and my mum did it together. Blood, sweat and tears. I remember the, one of the very first shoots. I was taking my tripod to the beach in the Wirral. <laughs> it's called first system beach it's like the most greatest dullest beach and I was like I had this vision of it looking like can it was like the very first time I tried to shoot myself and my mum was like come on I'll get you bring the dog so my mum took my first photos on that beach trying to pretend it looked like can in the summertime (laughs) the pictures turned out quite good but for about a year it was just me and my mum doing it I just love that and but I totally, totally relate to that because, you know, I I didn't have like a very fancy upbringing, but it was just like the humble, like hardworking, very, I would say, you know, on paper, like normal family. But that gave me, I just felt like I was unstoppable. I could just do anything. And if it's all else fails, it's all right. My mum's still going to love me. I still have a place to go. Even if I've got not, you know, literally a pot to piss in, I can still go back to my mum's house and it will always be okay. And I, I definitely see that you know, as a as a thread through people that I've interviewed, that stable background. And it doesn't have to be like the whole family, but just that one person that believes in you that said, go on, girl, you can do this. You can do yeah. this. So lucky. And like, if you don't actually have that, which many people don't, you have to muster that up for yourself somehow. And I guess it would be so much harder. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that, I guess that's where, you know, some people that ha- they have to fight even more so to to just you know financially make their way and then you know see the growth like whereas we had that as a little backup which like I, again like it's just such a blessing so what was your school life like Laura <laughs> um, primary school I can't really remember but um I moved to an all-girls school when I was high school age I went to a grammar school and I hated it it was not a nice environment for me I was very lucky in the sense that I had two best friends which I'd grown up with since I was like a chap like a kid so I had a safety net of like a family in my school my mum also worked in the school <laughs> so I felt loved in the school but girls just I, I didn't like the girl environment for me I my outside friendship group was a group of lads that I went skating with so I had such a tomboy upbringing which I guess many people look at me and wouldn't think in a million years but even now my friendship group is I have a core group of female, strong, independent female women. And the larger group is guys, because that female environment, I don't know whether it's subconsciously in my head still from high school, that it's not a nice environment for me and I've not like let it go. Um, but I just was talked about a lot, like what I was wearing, my hair. I just felt scrutinized so much. And I think I was different in school. I think that was it. Like I was a big character and I was different and I looked a certain way and I wasn't afraid to dress a certain way. Like, so I moved my scouts, I moved myself to an all boys school for six form. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't think my parents had a choice. I was just like, I'm going, like, I don't get me out of here. And actually it was such a nice environment for me. Like it was just the best years of my life. <laughs> it was like 20 girls to like a hundred boys. It was great. My grades probably struggled a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> and 
And do you think like, where did that confidence, like, you know, it sounds like you had a huge sense of self even back then. Like, where did that come from? How did you, you know, know who you were at such a young age? I didn't know, you know, because I think a lot of it is my mum, she really, really backs me. Like a front of a set will tell me I could be in anything that I wanted to be. So, and I feel like I have a lot of confidence compared to, like a lot of self-confidence compared to other people in my family. So it's definitely something that is just singular to me rather than what my family's told me to do. I don't know. I feel like I just didn't care from the get-go. Like Amazing. When I was at school... I could have got bullied, let's say, but I just didn't care enough. Like I didn't, I didn't care what people thought. Like it was a not a nice environment, but I also didn't care. And I think the moment you stop caring is when you truly like live a free life, which has stacked me in good, like put me in a good place now because you get trolling as an influencer. It's part of the job. If you complain about it, we know it from the start. Like you know what you're signing up to. It's there's forums. People tear you apart. So like, it really doesn't bother me. And my friends and That's family amazing. like really stick up for me sometimes. I'm like, just let, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. And there's the voice. There's the voice. But that, and, and have you experienced quite a lot of trolling since, you know, you really put yourself online? I think compared to a lot of influencers, I get it very mildly. And I think that's because I'm kind of a scouser. And I feel like we're not, we don't take life too seriously. It's kind of that, like a brass realism about it. So I don't even like Although it looks polished, like if you watch my YouTube channel, it's really not polished at all. I could keep it very real. So in that sense, I've probably not got as much hate as like the rest of the industry or like as a whole. But yeah, you get it a lot. Like people just tear you, tear you apart. But I find it interesting. The things that I have like maybe don't like about myself, like... No one's ever said anything about my knobbly knees. And my knobbly knees are like the one thing that I'm like, oh, don't put me in like a midi skirt because my knees just poke up. There's never been one bad comment about my knees. It's always the things that you like about yourself the most. Huh, interesting. So it's really interesting that people troll the things that you're most confident about. So it's almost as if it, it I don't know, like it must pe- like cause some sort of jealousy streak in it, like what's the word I'm looking for I can't think of the word but like your good points must inflict like the trolls to yeah I totally get that and do you know what though I feel like you know energetically like frequency wise if people know that it wouldn't bother you even without you saying it you know like this is what I believe in everything is an energy so you might with this confidence that you have oozing through that screen it's like you know i'm not even gonna bother trying to troll her because she doesn't care she (laughs) doesn't care never reply ever the moment you give some sort of feedback i mean she's some i don't don't even delete it usually but if you just block it or get rid of it like just set take seconds like don't even think about it yeah go on bye i can't (laughs) believe that we just talked about before this podcast like you don't notice until you get to a certain point and when you look backwards you connect the dots and all the tools in your basket like that that nasty schoolgirl environment really put me in a good position to be absolutely fine with trolling (laughs) it almost feels like it's part of life to me like I've had it for a very long time yeah yeah and you're so right it's like you've got your armor from your from the toolbox of life basically and you know and and 
and again, I've actually really seen this through my chats, the people that almost are the most successful have had, there's never been just like, oh, I know it was all good. Like, you know, I didn't mind and everything was just fine. It was like, I had this and I stood up and I overcame it. I had this and I stood up and overcame it. And I think from, again, what I can really see is that the success in any industry is no matter like how many times you get knocked back or, you know, you it's all about the getting up, all about the getting up. And the people that are the most successful are just simply the people that got up the most yeah, know, and kept it's, going. For a really love, it's like, it's not the card you're dealt, it's how you play them. So like whatever card you're dealt, like it's what you do with that. Like you could have it, something really bad, but if you learn how to like play the game and like pick yourself back up and play it right, I feel like it's the way forward. So what was your school life like? Oh, my school life was great. I was actually like the popular girl in school. So I had, you know, like seven boyfriends and I was holding all their hands all at time, <laughs> at the same time. And then, but then what happened, that kind of, that that popularity came to bite me on the bum because then when I went to high school, this girl who, you know, obviously now I know, she didn't like me because I was popular and apparently ignored her. Isn't it crazy? When I was in primary school, um, really bullied me. It was horrible. Like pushing up against the uh, lockers, spitting in my face. And, and, and I guess back then, like we got taught, and this is, I mean, I have children, so I'm, I'm not teaching them this, but my mum taught me to just ignore it, Nicola, ignore it. You know, don't retaliate, like just head down and just, just pretend it's not happening. And so I did that. And then this one teacher, she took me to the side and she was, her name was Miss Sabash, like big curly hair. And she said to me, like, I can see what's happening here. I give you permission to stick up for yourself. You need to stand your ground. And I was like, okay. Oh. And because she'd said that, she'd like, lit that flame in me so the next time her name was Michaela pushing me against that the locker fame it was like I'm small I'm like five foot two but I was like a little terry I was like hmm. and I was like get off me how backing dare you go Nana. and and it really shocked her but I tell you what she never ever ever caused me any trouble ever again you know and and so I teach my little girls now age like three and four I said if anyone does anything to you or pushes you or you just point to them and you say do not speak to me in that way like just you have don't pretend that it doesn't happen you know so well you know what I really would love to do some people have a real knack of it of like just laughing stuff off so if someone's aggressive to you and you just laughs it off it's so much more powerful than getting angry or by getting bitter so true so just true laugh at like laugh at even like be little then just like laugh like make it into something funny and some people have such a natural knack of doing it but I'm one of those people that with confrontation I like turn into a oh shiver rat I'm so confident and all this and then someone like gets in a confrontation with me and I'm like oh I can't talk oh. <laughs> <laughs> but are you, you're Pisces aren't you Laura yeah yeah I'm a Pisces I feel like it's a female Pisces trait like I really I, struggle with confrontation yeah but it's sometimes so important to actually like, you know, speak out, you know, and I definitely find this with my fiance, Ben, you know, sometimes we, we just need to do it. But I'm like, it's cutting around the edge. Yeah, it's so much better to just talk about stuff because it gets it over and done with and dealt with. I just like builds up inside me and then I just like boil apart and it goes <laughs> <laughs> what that is me. But interestingly, whenever I have successful, beautiful female friends, 
they always have the same story. School was a hard time with the females. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something there that I really learned. It's, it's some women are threatened by beautiful women or like women that are confident. And I really wish females could learn to like really empower other women because no matter how beautiful or successful someone else is, that does not take away from your own beauty or your own success. There is so much abundance in this world for every woman to go out and get what they can achieve. It doesn't matter. And I, whenever someone says like, what is it that really made you get from A to Z over someone else? And I say, I, I know it exactly. I, instead of getting jealous, instead of getting bitter and saying, I can't do that, they've got everything. Each person that I was like, oh, she's successful. Even to do with makeup and hair, what they're wearing, I would scrutinize every single detail of someone's success. Use someone's success as a handbook for your own life to teach you what, what they're doing right. Rather than getting jealous, bitter, trolling, I can assure you there's no troll out there that is successful. Like people that are scrutinizing successful people have not got the time to troll. Yeah, it's, I could not agree more. And as well, it's like, be, you know, seeing other people be successful, and this is something that I really, really, really make a like almost like a habit of doing now. Is I love sharing other people's success, you know, or like actually commenting on their success. Like, for, you know, I know there's posts of yours, and I'm yes, babe, so proud of you, go girl. You know, like what that does energetically, you know, it's almost like saying to your own self, like, I'm happy for that person, and that that like full circle of if I'm happy for that person that gratitude comes back and back and back and back and and, and of course for me there is have been times when I'm like oh you know especially when I was like you know it, like before I got met Ben and before I had children I used to be like oh when's it gonna be my turn you know look at those people. and I did have that feeling of why not me but as soon as I did, I, I noticed it, the awareness of it. I had like a pity party, like crying about it for about six months. And then this I was like, this is a I was like, look at, you know, oh, I'm so, you know, well, I'm so happy for you, babe. Like, amazing, amazing. And I was like grateful for it within like the 29 to 30 days of, of, of shifting that perspective. I met them. Okay, this is what I need to do. <laughs> CPDA on the tube, I need to be like, so happy for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I just love seeing you kiss. Oh kiss again. Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I am so good at my career and it probably shows compared to my love life. And I actually probably need to take my own advice and put it into my love life and be happy for those people that were screwed me over and happy when I'm like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> It's like, I'm so grateful that you cheated on me because of the lessons that I learned to become the woman that I am today. Yeah. To then be able to meet the person, it's which of course is going to happen one day. Yeah. And really interestingly, I was in a, what I would class as a bad relationship where I was just very miserable, similar to the one you were in where you were just probably a former broken version of yourself. And when I came out of that, it was probably the lowest point in my whole entire life. And actually, I had this real thing, like when you're going through heartache, just work because you're not going to feel good whatever you do. If you channel your sadness into working, whether that's on your body or your career, when you get happy again, you will have such an amazing life. 
because time is the only thing that will heal a broken heart. So be productive in that time. And sure as yeah. hell, I slept, eat, breathed, influencing during that the most depressing time in my life. The day I became a full-time influencer was the day I split up with this guy. He vanished off the air, didn't even do it me, three years disappeared. And that to a girl is, leaves you in a really weird state. Like he could have died for all I knew. Like it was almost as if I had to grieve a, a death. I never, I've never seen him again since Very Strange. It's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Look, I wow. yeah. my heart and soul into influencing and being this career that I have now that I'm sometimes think like if that awful time didn't happen, would I have had the momentum or the motivation or the the time to be here doing this now? And I, I thank every everything because I have the best life ever now. And I don't think maybe it would have happened if it wasn't for that. A hundred percent. I mean, that's everything. And but I was exactly the same with the person that we both know that, you know, it was literally the worst time. And I felt like my heart had been ripped up, but I had never been more motivated to prove that I was worthy, that I was good, that I could achieve something and that I could be successful without this person. And that's when basically it was the beginning of actually my life that it is today. And you know what I actually miss sometimes? I always say this, I miss that joy hype. Yes, yes. I was working the... I was working a dead-end job. I was in a five-bed house share with people I didn't even know who were like, I didn't even like me. I feel like I got bullied in that house as well. <laughs> and I'd missed the motivation of like getting myself out of like rock bottom because it's so hard to have that motivation now when you have a nice life. Like I'm, I always need like that drive to come back and be ignited again. I need another guy here. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's that negative driver. And I feel like, you know, it's that enough moment where you just go enough of everything that is not serving me right now. I am going to, it's like that line in the sand and I'm going to move forward and change literally every part of my life. And, you know, it's, but the, I just love, I'm the same as you. I love that negative. I love that feeling of like, it's almost, it almost felt like it wasn't like I was anxious, but it was like I was on edge every day. I woke up with like that, that fire in my belly, like that it'll dance so well I miss that I love that yeah and then but I guess that's not sustainable forever interestingly my most viral reels have always been when I've been annoyed (laughs) at like a guy (laughs) because you just get that like wow fierceness and I think when I Obviously, I'm 35 years old now. And my reels, I think I'm it, the very now for that strut that I walk around the street for. And I walk, it's kind of this air of some, like that's what draw, draws people in. It's like an air of, you describe it, I don't know. Queen, an queendom. Air of, it's like queen, it's like I'm a queen, basically. I just love I that. only comes from the, the, the bullshit. Like that's where that derives from, that energy. So when you compare like a young young girl to like a woman, that's the air that a woman holds. It's like you you've you've shit on me, but you're not breaking me down. Like I'm still moving forward. And I get myself into that zone every time I do a reel. <laughs> and I think that is why it really works on Instagram because people can feel that the women can feel that emotion. And usually when I 
create reels previously and it's been a bit dancery or like I don't know eccentric maybe it's maybe put women off but there was something about these reels that it was empowering women and I realized it was the emotion that I was getting myself into when I walked down the street I like walk past these men and they turn and I'm like I don't care like I am on a mission and like it's empowering women and I feel like I love that I was giving women that feeling when they watch my videos and it just got addictive <laughs> <laughs> and something that happens Laura, when I watch your videos and I, I always think is that set up is that person like put there when you walk and then people go oh and they're all looking behind it's just <laughs> literally it's it's like you're in a movie you are Carrie Bradshaw in Sex in the City like in a scene but it's actually real life uh, she's just the spoiler was she got with Aiden didn't she I hope Aiden is on his way to me <laughs> absolutely so Laura let's go let's take it back so you've gone schooling and then you're really into dancing and performing and then you go to a stage school in Liverpool is that right yeah so I actually was never really into the whole stage thing I just got to 18 and I did not know what I wanted to do at all I had no idea and I'd my parents had always taken me to dance school running club like I was always a very athletic kid so I just like everyone in my dad's school auditioned for this theater school I just so happened to get in I was like I don't know what else to do so I'll do this for a year and I'll think about what I want to do next year the years went by and I'd finished the the course and I still didn't want to do it and I didn't know what I wanted to do hence I ended up in the dance world where I met you in Mayfair <laughs> so when we met in I knew I would like I was a very smart kid very smart my primary teacher my mum always quotes it back to her she loves saying this to people one of the teachers in my primary school said there's smart and then there's Laura I was like I'd read every single book in my primary school like I was just I whisked through everything there was this times table chart on the wall in primary school where you had to stand up in class and do your times tables you got a star when you completed it and everyone was like four times table six times table I was only 60 times table. Like it was what? off the chart. But it's not even like a smartness. It's like a, I need to like just, I get my brain into Amazing, things. Amazing, yeah. So I know when I choose to work hard, I work hard. So when we met in the Mayfair world, we would, I was dancing in Whiskey Mystic. And for those of you who don't know that, it's like a period you go with sparklers and they come out with the champagne. But interestingly, I love Whiskey Mist now because the manager of Whiskey Mist is actually a fashion designer, Mark Burton, and he created the most amazing outfit. So when people think period gym dancer, they probably jumped to a million conclusions, but it was such a high-end kind of cat oh, It feel. was amazing. Yeah, we basically felt like we were Kate Moss on that podium, you know, and we were really <laughs> protected, you know, because whenever I say to people, you know, I used to dance in, in the London nightclubs, instantly people think, oh, stripper. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, but there was it a It was whole, not that world of tool. No, it was so, I felt so empowered. You know, I was like in amazing outfits. I had an incredible makeup. We had security, didn't we, the whole time. And it was a real like, little girl crew back then. Yeah. And every celeb in the sun was in these clubs at the time. It's not quite the same these days. The club industry really... <laughs> or am I getting old? I don't know. But every celeb was in there, yet the lights were on us. And it was such an amazing feel. And I feel like when people... I never talk about it. Not that I'm ashamed of it. Just people don't understand what it was. 
And I actually kept it from my family and all my friends back home for a while just because of that. I didn't reason. know that. But, yeah. Um, when I was dancing, it was just like a thing where I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. Like it wasn't a career. It wasn't like a job. It was like I was it felt I really feel for people that like can't find their purpose or can't find their career because it's such a horrible feeling. I wanted to work hard, but didn't didn't want to work hard at something I didn't want to do. So I spent my whole twenties searching for this light bulb moment where I'm like, that is it. And it really didn't come. So I, like if anyone out there is feeling the same, like I really had to try to find it. And when I went back to university, one of the reasons I went back to university after dancing is because one of the girls said she was just going to marry rich men, a rich man and it literally sent shivers down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> I had like, such a bad experience of men at this point that I was like, oh my God, I cannot rely on a man for my future. Yeah. So I was, I, it's a really good tip if anyone doesn't know what they want to do. I was like, I looked to what I did in my spare time. I was constantly in fashion magazines. I was constantly making clothes. I was constantly in charity shops. Like fashion has always been like what I did in my spare time. And it was kind of geeky, which is like maths and stuff. So I put the two together and just took one step forward in the right direction. And then out of uni, I took another step. I was like interning. And I, by just taking little steps, I finally found the, the calling, let's say. So without taking those first small steps in some semi-direction, I don't think I would have got there. So if you were stuck, I always suggest just take a step, like <laughs> some work. So how did you find your like career? Um, well, for me, it was just always going to be performing. That is just, and even now, like here in Avila, there's this like acting school in Mallorca. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hello. Because <laughs> I just, I love it. There's part of me that just wants to be like the panto dame, you know, <laughs> like, hiya. I have I'd considered doing panto. I feel like it would ruin my career, but I feel like I'd love it. I'd love to be the Wifford Witch in panto. Oh my God, you'd be so good in Snow White or like Maleficent. the princess. I want to be the witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's always the best part. So I still, you know, I just, I in me, I am a performer and I've, you know, have created like, I've seen amazing, successful business. But like you said, the connecting the dots, my performing career gave me the tools to be successful in an online business because it was about, you know, taking the knockbacks, hearing the nose, being persistent, being consistent. And it's like I had learned all those skills without even realizing because it was just my passion being, you know, a performer. And so that has been, you know, amazing. And that's definitely what enabled me to come and live my life here in Aretha. But now my children are a little bit older. And I'm like, what, what can I do? And I, I do. And I know that it's still in, in me because I'll start singing a song with my children. And instantly I cry. I'm like, let it go. Let it go. I just get really choked because it just, I, I can't put my finger on why, but it, I get so choked up because it just means everything to me. Yeah. You know, and I couldn't, I wouldn't go back to London now and do like a, a year in the West End. But, you know, maybe, maybe one day there'll be like an eight week, eight week stint or something. Do you know what chokes me up when I watch Strictly? <laughs> oh my God, but that is literally my dream to be on Strictly. Laura, you can my, do Strictly. But if you were like, oh, what's your goal? And then like you ask any other influencer, they're like, oh, we want this brand. I want to work with this deal. I'm like, I want to be on Strictly. <laughs> yes. Let's put this out there. You can be the first. Oh no, you wouldn't be the first YouTuber because they've had Joe, haven't they? No, they do YouTubers now. So I just need uh, like a few more million and I'll do A few do more them. million. So what do, what do you need? What kind of What number are you on now, Laura? I don't, your, 
So Instagram's 520,000, TikTok's about 400,000, and YouTube's 150,000. So I don't know. So what what do we need? <laughs> we need to just plan it. <laughs> what know. do we need numbers-wise <laughs> to get Laura? And you can pave the way. So I will then see you do that and then give you a few more years and then I'll be following you. Like that, I'm just saying, that is literally my dream. To be on Strictly. Honestly, I'd love to be on Strictly. Just the dancer. Oh. It will never leave you. No. Like, and the costumes. <gasps> oh, just that. Do you know what, though? I, with social media, there is something about the showbiz world that really helps you. When I was a dancer, I learned that the more emotion I put into dancing, the better the performance. So it wasn't just about what you did, what you wore, what, where you kicked your leg. It was like, if there was a beautiful song and the emotion with it, you're halfway there. So when I create my reels, I have to get, as I said before, it's the the power of the emotion and a really good uplifting song and you're halfway to a good reel. Like that has been part of my like formula since I started this whole reel, reel video Instagram thing. But it's amazing because on your Instagram, you don't speak. Not really, no. You know, so you, you're like, conveying this message this feeling without even opening your mouth or like how powerful is that that you and again it's the energy that you're putting into it the intention behind what you want to create is coming out through your phone to people wherever they are in the world and it's just that's just why you know I have seen you grow so much in such a short space of time so just quickly take me on the journey so you finish university you did your dissertation um, and that dissertation was on comparing like ma- the decline of magazine and the rise of online presence, wasn't it? And, you yeah. know, so what I also love about you, it's, you know, you look like this doll, it's beautiful angel, but you're so freaking smart that you wrote about it. And then it was a conscious decision. So many people just fall into things. I was already, you consciously decided to do it. And so where did you start first? Was it YouTube? Yeah. So when I was at uni, I really discovered the the magazine industry was declining. I was like, these people, these women that read these magazines like I do, they're going somewhere for this content. So I really researched into where it was going. And for my dissertation, I did this whole digital, it was all about the digital era and digital media. I got a first class honours with 97%, which was the highest grade ever. <laughs> and um, ever in the history of the course at the time. And I got nominated for two awards after it. And I left uni and I couldn't get a job. I'd interned at Net-A-Porter, the Edit, Closer Magazine, some top PR companies. I had done everything for free, intern-wise, continuously through the three years of university, also getting a first, also working in the nightclubs five days a week. I did not sleep. I was on the Pro Plus and Red Bull, which I don't recommend. I remember turning up to to uni in the morning, which was in Surrey, might I add. So I had to go from London to Surrey, go back to London to work, internships and nighttime. I swear, there were some days where I did not sleep for five days and I turned up to to uni like this. And I still to this day did not take one single note in my uni class. Everyone else is like writing notes down, did not write one thing down. I didn't know, like, you have to understand how your own brain works. And, like, notes for me just send me over the edge. (laughs) Well, as soon as I start taking notes, I can't listen. I just, yeah. I'm writing and then I can't even hear what she's saying. So I just, like, absorb it and trust that my own 
power will have will take in what I what the message basically that is needed. I'm exactly the same. But it's really interesting because there's lots of this like notes, books, manifestation things out there. And I know that my brain does not work like that. It works very speedy, like no the tabs open. And when I had long COVID and I struggled really bad with the brain fog, I suddenly was feeling really stupid because I suddenly realized how fast my brain was working before. So writing a note down would really slow me down. <laughs> like just absorb all the information. But um, so during the uni, I discovered that there was a gap in the market for this digital space. And I started, it was like a stepping stone. I found a few influencers that were knitting it. I still was not the first. Like there's girls that have done this for 10 years and I can, I'm wow. in about the five year mark. And I think now they, when I started, they're at the place I am now. So you never compare someone that's not in the same timeline as you. Like I think in this industry, I see girls that are smashing it up here, but they have been doing it for 10 years. And if I the amount of stuff that I've learned now to be in this position is nothing compared to when I started. So you mustn't compare someone on a different timeline to you at all. It's one of my biggest things. So I couldn't get a job outside of uni. I literally felt like, what do I need to do here? And like, I've got everything that you ask where I just couldn't. And I feel like to this day, and probably get so much, I don't know, controversy saying this, but I think it's something to do with what I look like. I feel like so many, the, one of my pet hates is, oh, it's so easy for you. I feel like so many doors were shoved in my face because of a big personality, what it looked like, the extract, like the, it's a lot. And I think it really is scary to like someone, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know, that's doors for sure. To be, I totally get it. You're unemployable. Like to, an imp- to be an employee means you have to be told what to do. You've got to fit in. You can't stand out. You can't really have your own opinion because you're under someone else's umbrella of what they want you to do. And maybe people could just see it's like, honey, we can never control her. <laughs> we can't control this one. And actually the one job I did get was a guy and I walked into the interview and I was like, I'm going to get this job. And it's not because the guy liked me in any way. It was going back to the high school thing of like women it's don't a guy like me or like women that don't know me don't like me like once you get to know me I'm very beautiful <laughs> but if there's something about I don't know I wish we lived in a world where females really like wanted all the strong feet I think it takes a certain type of woman to be in a crowd with another strong female so a lot of those are sure and the job that I got was it was to do blogging and it was the first kind of company that connected bloggers to brands and I got that job so I could learn everything about the industry from underneath so even it was like I was starting the influencing industry and I got a job on the other side of it so I knew how much people were earning I knew what people were doing I knew how brands worked with influencers and I really suggested you want to do something if you want to open a restaurant go work as a waiter like go on the inside first and it gave me such an amazing like I remember taking two like teenagers to a job and they booked two times my salary in one day and I was like I am doing this (laughs) wow that's so inspiring and I was like I have all the tools in the box to do this I am just gonna do it and I literally it wasn't even about the money because I'd already started doing it like it was 
I, I just saw an opening before it became mainstream. I think I just got it at the right time. Maybe I don't know. I wish I was five years earlier. But I, like, know. I know. I, I know. still was a lot. I, I still was before the whole wave of it. Now I think everyone's onto it now. Yeah. So just talk me through then, Laura. What kind of in, in your personal life was going on at this time? Were you with boyfriends? Did you have someone supporting you? Because you were in London through this, weren't you? So I had a boyfriend when I was at uni. I had a lot of boyfriends, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> who is the I, one? Who's the one that that's, that was with all the girls? Not that one. They've all been with a lot of girls. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I've learned in life. I I attract a fuckboy. I've learned this. It's it's a it's a a, a pattern that I've stopped. <laughs> So up until the guy that really disappeared and like was That's, a very bad situation. So just quickly, one I, second, one second. You lived with a guy. You lived with him. No. Okay. So you were with him for three years as like a boyfriend yeah. and girlfriend, and then one day he just vanished. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? As in, yeah. were there any signs? Were you arguing? Did it? No. Did he? I kissed him was goodbye he foreign? at train station. No. I kissed him goodbye at train station, never saw him again. He got himself a new girlfriend and just didn't tell me. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I actually got to a point where I was like, I don't need answers. Like, and the interesting thing was a few years later and he kept trying to, shit, I didn't think I can say this online, but he was not in a good mental state. So I've learned not to like blame people. I've learned just to accept that some people are not mentally <laughs> But also, but as well, steal. like he, <laughs> you want the gossip, don't you? <laughs> yeah, tell me, tell me. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is brilliant! But I was just really interesting. I was a serial boyfriend there from a really young age. Always had a long term serial boyfriend, two years, three years, up until that guy, and then ever since then, I've been single. And, and when that was single, that? When was how long ago was that guy? Twenty eight, twenty nine, when it finished. So I'm 35 now, so I've been single for about six, seven years. I've had the most successful years of my life. I've had the happiest years of my life. And I've literally not let a guy hurt me whatsoever. So now I know that's not a good thing. I am looking for someone that doesn't hurt me. But like I'm not, being single and 30 is not a bad thing. Like I've had the, like you, you can look at my life online. It's been amazing. And there has not been one guy behind those doors. I've been so self-independent, sufficient. And as soon as a guy tries to mess with my mental health, I literally disappear from their life. Like, as soon as you get that, like, weird, where they're not coming you back, gone. Not, don't, I'm too up here, and I'm going to blow my own trumpet. I'm too up here in my own life, respect my life so much that I do not have time to wonder if a guy is going to call me back. Like, but I completely confused because what's happened now is like you you have become the woman of your dreams right ultimately so it's when that happens the type of guy that you're now gonna attract as and when you're ready to you know bring him into your life is going to be a different level from Mr. Fuckboy of the tw of your 20s it's just going to be a whole different conversation different different aura different just a different entity in what you've ever experienced before for sure you know and it's like I don't know about you but from the sounds of it, our 20s are quite similar I'm just quite grateful that I had a boyfriend in my 20s 
And then when I found myself and I got my shit together and I was earning my own money and I felt like I had, I was truly successful in my own right, everything changed. And that's when I met Ben. And so, you know, you're like, is that one of the things, is that, would you say that, you know, you, you would quite like to, is that the next stage of your life, you do think, Nora? Oh yeah, for sure. That is one of, when people ask me what my goal is, A, it's strictly and B, it's a family. <laughs> So it's hard to be like, I want to work with these designs, which I do, but like my core thing is like people look at me and think I'm successful and I actually live alone and I don't have a boyfriend and I don't have kids. And it's something that I personally would really want probably one day. (laughs) But so I'm successful in my career. I'm not successful in my personal life. But I think to be successful in my career, I had to give up those. I had to learn the hard way about letting men take the energy it's it reminds you of the episode of friends where they burn all the stuff they're like what is it called the wings <laughs> they're like don't let them take your energy and it's so true all these footballs in my 20s wasting my time just it's so much energy it consumes you so the moment I get a little inkling of that now I'm like gone like bye oh no I don't even let it get to that stage which makes me go through this cycle of like, got, I have like a like a month or two, two months, one month, and it's like a rotation of like <laughs> men that just piss me off. It's but really hard to find that. what you want, and and I really believe. So like this conversation that we're having, we're having because we're women. You know, like us as women, we have a boyfriend or we have a partner, and it's like our whole world revolves around that person whereas men they have a girlfriend and it's just like well I see you and I see you but really it, the more fo- the focus is on my life and my work and my mates it's very rare that you know it's the other way around and exactly but also it's like I feel as women you've got to learn that lesson you know you can't just keep chasing after guys oh you know what's he going to give to me or am I going to feel whole when I'm with him you know, oh, maybe he's the one. And you just kind of, I definitely did this. Like anything of my dreams and my goals would kind of simply merge into what his were. Where every time I got a new guy and we're like, oh, yeah, maybe I do want what he wants. And it was like, no, Nicola, what do you want? And and it was only again when I like released those chains, it was like, and exactly like you said, like, I'm going to create this for myself and do this for myself. And it was, it, it was, and I think this is really good for the audience to listen to, that was a decision. That was a real clear decision of I'm going to transform. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to put my heart and soul into this. And I have no space or time for anything else that doesn't serve me. Yeah. You know, and the focus of like, it's going to be, it's going to happen. I think that the end focus is so clear to be able to do that. So like, once you have your focus of where you want to be and what you want to achieve and have your full self-belief will get you so much further than anything else talent so you need to instill that self-belief in you and be absolutely ruthless in getting it to be able to be like no how do people do that laura how do you think people do that you know let's say you know, people are listening to this podcast and they're like oh god that sounds amazing i don't really have any self-belief where do you think where would you know if you're talking to your friend and she's like i don't know laura i don't know where what would you say to her stop making excuses there is nothing to stop you achieving the same if if someone on this earth has achieved something there is not much different 
in human beings for you to achieve the same thing, whether that's your body, your what you look like. And I think people look and say, oh, you're, like, you're, you're born that way. Actually, if I look at the start of my YouTube channel, I looked awful. <laughs> it's only through learning makeup and researching different products. Like I have crafted every single, it's a learning process. Again, going back to like scrutinize what other people are doing. And I look so different from the start of my YouTube, just from watching myself back and like t- taking on what works for me, what doesn't. So there is nothing stopping you getting from like, if you're, if you don't feel you're worthy enough or good enough, stop. That's that's where you need to stop because there's not nothing different between us and anyone listening to this or us and even like an actress or something. Yes, people get different opportunities, and I think if we look at our twenties, it was so hard to get opportunities. Doors had to be opened. You couldn't open them yourself. You really had to know the right people, the right places. We live in the online world where you can open any door. It's, I think, is it Gen Z? I don't know what they're called. Is it all we Like, are we millennials? Yeah, we're just, well, I'm just a millennial. But yeah, we're the millennials. <laughs> but the, the next generation, it's like the world is literally their oyster. oyster. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have a talent, you can put it online. Or if you're interested in something, you can put it on your artwork, you can put it online. Your Anything that you do now, you can put it online. If you are good, it will be seen. Whereas when we were 20, if you were good, no one saw it. No you one had to know yet. someone or you had to know someone or be born into that like that family or sleep with the owner you know it was that was the only way in and you're so right and you know if you've got wi-fi i was love this if you've got wi-fi in a dream you can make that a reality you know through all of the platforms and that's that is why i you know that i know that social media gets quite a lot of slack um but i love it because it gives anybody the opportunity to make something of themselves you know of course and I just think that is like how amazing that we're in that era you know I just wish I was 20 <laughs> I wish I was yeah. like 18 <laughs> 18 with my phone going okay now I really really want to be a pop star and yeah and, so, and I could have done it I could have done yeah. it with TikTok and another thing about social media in this online world it really applauds people that work hard and consistency so I've only got the following that I have because I have produced a video nearly every single day of my whole life for the past six years like there's no slacking there's no shortcut so you have to be consistently working so if you if you're hard working and you have something you want to share and you really you really can't take it anywhere yeah yeah I completely completely agree and people think it almost needs to be a certain like like dancing, acting, fashion, but doctors, dentists, oh, anything everyone. is online now. Yeah. yeah. If you want to do it, if you want to be more successful, just online is such a, so look at the kids today. <laughs> I know, <laughs> the youth. <laughs> and so Laura, what do you think, like for you, what is like your, your biggest passion and your biggest purpose behind your influencing? So I find this really interesting. I think a lot of people now start influencing because they like the fame, the fortune, all the good stuff that comes with it. When I started, I think a lot of influencers from years ago state this, it wasn't a thing. Like it, we didn't know we were making a lot of money from it. And we didn't know we'd be like famous or like well-known for it. I just loved the fashion. So that was one of the reasons. But I loved, when I went through that bad time in my life where I was rock bottom, disappearance of <laughs> Mystery <laughs> Man Z, and I turned to YouTube. 
and it made me feel better. I tuned into, I think YouTube people see it as like cat videos and how to make stuff. But there's an underworld of YouTube where you can have a subscriber list. And I subscribed to like 10 girls, which are like roughly the same age, doing the same thing. And I tuned into their videos every day when I was rock bottom, feeling lonely, feeling so bad. And they made me feel good again. They brought, they lifted me out of the hole. And like people be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like in a zone watching YouTube video after YouTube video. They not only helped me feel less lonely, they not only lifted me back up they also gave me a career like so I wanted to do that for other people which is why I started on YouTube so I, I was initially a YouTuber and it still is like my main my favorite audience because it's so they know me so well they get this me rather than the walking down the street yeah but yeah that was one of the I wanted to inspire the women and like even the videos walking down the street I loved like making women feel better because I know what it's like to be in that hole and like I always express, like when it's like, oh, it's so easy for you, you don't understand. Like we, bit, like I've been here. I want to help you get out of it too. Like it's really interesting. And so, on a day-to-day basis, Laura, what does your like? You know, do you do anything to kind of keep your mental health in check? And do you have routines to you know keep you at your best? Well. I feel like my mental health were right out the window in lockdown. I feel like I'm only just recovering from that because. I got COVID very bad at the start of the pandemic. It nearly killed me. And I remember watching you. Oh, my gosh. I remember (laughs) scrolling on my phone and then you popped up not looking like the Laura that we're used to seeing. And to put myself on the internet like that, and that went viral. (laughs) I know that it went viral because that was actually the video in COVID that I watched that I said to Ben, shit, this is real. Because no no one was taking it seriously. And it was you going... I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm gonna die. This is real. Oh. And but you were on your own, the, weren't you? Yeah. It was oh. the day Boris Johnson announced lockdown, so the timing was crazy. And I literally was struggling to breathe so bad. It was when people say, oh, it's just a cold, or like, because that was the outlook then. It was people young, relatively young, could have a cold. I can say, oh my God. If people knew that this is what it was, like, it took me so, I couldn't walk, it three weeks passed and I still could not walk down the stairs in my flat. Like, it floored me in every single way. I struggled with long COVID for a year and a half. I spent, after I caught COVID, I spent six months going to the hospital saying, something is wrong with me. And they're like, oh, you're fine. It's just post-traumatic stress or you're panicking. I'm like, something is wrong with me. And I was saying all these symptoms and like, I had loads of tests on my, my, I had a D-dimer high, which is like linked to blood clotting. I was like, you're not, I'm not joking. Something's up. And then long COVID comes out. And I'm like, I've been telling you. I was so ahead of it that I was like begging people for help. And they just were, I, I don't blame them, but I was just so lost during that time. I was struggling with long COVID for a year and a half. And actually a year after COVID was the worst time for me. And I figured everything out before it all came out in the press. So like my cortisol levels were uncontrollable. I couldn't eat food. Like my cognitive things weren't working. Like I couldn't tell when I needed to go for a wee because my my brain wasn't telling my bladder. My brain wasn't telling me to eat. My brain wasn't telling me to cool down or hot down. The worst was cortisol level. And like during this time, a guy had really like, 
screwed me over and that shot of adrenaline I could not bring it down and like I got hives all over my body I was shaking and and lost so much weight and this was a year after COVID couldn't a year after COVID couldn't even walk like five minutes down the road without me like and one of the things was I couldn't breathe in I was breathing it in but I was struggling to exchange it into the other thing because it I was bringing oxygen and couldn't change it to yeah CO2 so every time every time I did a little bit of en- exercise or energy or my heart rate went higher I was like it looked like I was having a panic attack and all the doctors were like you're panicking I was like I'm not panicking I was just like I couldn't ex- I was str- it felt like there was a cork stop in it so I was just locked in such a horrible place for a year and a half and the only thing that kept me I was like I cannot let this English this whole career that I've spent so long building to to fall so I did not have a life I didn't see anyone didn't really do anything and all I did was make videos I got up in the cold shots I got chest infection after chest infection like for a year and a half I was literally drowning and I feel like everyone's long COVID, COVID pandemic experience but it felt like I'm, I was running a marathon. And the worst thing I learned in that time, I got taken advantage so badly by so many different people. So when I got scammed out 50K, some woman took me on board to help me. And I was obviously struggling at the time. She booked me for work, like a PR agency does. I, I work a lot with PR companies. She booked me for work. And she booked me a lot of work and she paid me religiously for the first three months. She was great. She did everything above and beyond. So she really bought my trust. Then the payments started being late and then they just didn't come in. And I'd booked a load of year deals as well. So I had contracts signed with the brands, which I thought with the brands now, I, I know they're kind of forged. No. So I, I got scammed out of 50 i worked my ass off during this time for someone else to spend this money and she's bought holidays <sighs> chanel handbags and she is still and i'm got a le- i've taken legal action we're trying to get an album it's such a slow process she's still out there doing this and she was one of many people she, when i was the weakest that really came in and like just took sucked me for everything so i've learned the hard way that the, the more successful you get, the more vultures that there are out there. And you have to be, it's really true that the more successful you get, the lonelier it is because your cyber has to become so much tighter. And it's so sad. That is so sad. And in that time, so Laura, in that time in COVID, obviously you could you were still working a little bit and you were so sick. Were you on your own in London? Oh my gosh. I mean, how did you feel? Like, were you so lonely? At first, no. I feel like I'd really struggle with the loneliness now because I've got my, when I'm going through long, when you go through a mental or like an illness, all you think about is getting better. So I didn't really think about anything else except my health and wanting to be better consumed me. Like, I didn't think about friends or fat, fat relationships. I just wanted to be better. Healthier. A year later, I was crying on the phone to the doctor, like, please help me. Like, as how bad it gets behind closed doors. And no, I kept such a front that you would not know. Not a, not a single person would have known except my mom and my family, like, what was going on behind closed doors. And I struggle now because I closed, shut everyone out during that time. That when I'm normal now and life's got back to normal, I suddenly realized how like shut off I'd close myself off for e- from everyone. So I feel the loneliness 
now rather than in that actual time. So I've almost had to start from scratch again, like building it. And it's actually been a really healthy thing because I've shared out everyone and have built like really good relationships with my circle of female friends now. It's very small, but they're all the most beautiful, successful, strong women that would never bring you down. So I've got rid of like, it's been a good process, but a really interesting one. And I think the key is to be self-aware in life. Self-awareness is key. It's amazing. And I totally relate to that, you know. So when I was, I have my best friends, which are, you know, Stuart and Francis, you know, they're back in the UK. But other than that, it was always just like us three. And I, I used to always really, really want like the girl crew, but I just never really felt like I had, I had that. And since moving to Ibiza, what's happened is I've just met other fabulous, like-minded, strong, powerful, financially independent, very successful people, well, women like me. And I've got like this like group of like, there's five of us. And it's just, you know, and that's new. Like I'm nearly 40 and this is like, I'm making new best friends, even, you know, in my old age, for example, because so many people stick to the friends that they've always had, which is, which is, you know, I think it's wonderful that, you know, if you could have that friendship group, but I am not the Nicola that I was when I was 17, 18, 19, even two years ago. I'm a different person and I grow and evolve. And it is that you do kind of, if you just keep with the same people, you know, that saying that you the average of five people you spend the most time with. If I was spending the time with the people that I was spending with when I was a teenager, I would be not where I am today. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be fulfilled, you know, and, and I do think as a message to people, like it is okay to, to grow and change and, you know, cultivate new friendships and relationships at any age. And I think it's so important to on, honestly get rid of the people around you that are not making you feel good. Like I, I was going for a stage where like, I just felt you in a group of girls, I'd always be like in brunt of the joke or like passively put down. And then I just sat a lot of the way through my life. So I learned like to not feel bad about just cutting people out. And as well, like it's so true that you are the similar to the people you surround yourself with. I was in a, found myself in a random group of girls or people would talk about dating footballers and sex with random people on like that, that whole culture that we were when we were 20, you know, I'm 34. I can't, like, I have no desire to be in this conversation. Like, I want to talk about, like, what business, how, like, what deal is your booking? Like, where you go, what's, like, the next part? I don't want to be talking about some footballer that's going to dump you next week. Like, I don't care. But, I mean, it sounds bad, but, like, if you surround yourself with like-minded women or, like, friends, it is so important, like, there's a there's a TikTok or a quote. It's like, show me your friends now. Show you your future. And it's true. So, and so true. You're better off just alone to rebuild that. And everyone, I think everyone goes through a part in their life where they feel lonely and they feel like there's no one around them. And I have been there several times. And it's gone like this throughout my life. But I've kept moving forwards with it. You don't just think, oh, God, I'm lonely. No one wants to be with me. It's like, okay, this isn't working for me. Let's try another direction so I feel female friendships is so interesting and I think it's such a more difficult topic than male friendships oh my god absolutely I hear Ben's conversations with his mates and it's just so simple so linear and just like black and white whereas with female there's so much you know like unspokenness going on but that's when I feel like 
I don't feel like I have that now. I feel like when when I had friends that hadn't really, you know, when I went through that kind of transition stage in my life and I started doing lots of personal development, you know, and I just basically started learning about myself. And the first thing that I stopped doing is bitching about other people. Like it, it was like, if I can't say a nice word about someone, I'm not saying anything at all because I, you know, it was so easy to be like, oh, so she, so she I'll say it with her. Oh, she's even with her. And it was just like this kind of little tittle tattle. And I was like, that's not serving anyone. It's just unkind. And as soon as I stopped being that Nicola, people weren't really interested to be around me as much, especially that kind of dancing world. I feel like the dancing world was the worst. I used to hate, like, it's just weird to get so many types of girls in one space at one time. Like, even dance school, like, it's just weird. But I feel like, I, I've always had the same situation for my whole life until my 30s where it was my decision to pick the people rather than just think, oh, this is my friendship group. I'll just stick with it. By circumstance, right now, yeah. I pick people that I want to be close to, which is so much so, so much important Like than just accepting the people that so happen to cross your path. Yeah, exactly. And, and I love the saying is people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. The good people, the bad people... The crazy guys, the bitchy girls, like they are all here. And I'm, again, this is why I just love doing this podcast so much because it helps people see that even, you know, if they're in the dark right now, they have just been dumped. They are in, a, you know, a situation where they just feel helpless. They will look back and connect the dots and see that that was the biggest, usually the biggest life lesson or the biggest growth for them that is just around the corner and so, you know, like what you said, just take that next step, take that next step, take that next step, because, you know, you are that perfect example of what is possible when you do just keep going and just trusting yourself when you know that you're going to figure it out. And I know that this is, you know, we're just at the beginning of what's going to happen in your career, Laura. I know you're just going to just be all over truly come dancing and, you know, you, <laughs> and the life that you want with your family it's just, it's just a matter of time. It's coming. It's, it's all there. You know, he's out there waiting. And I can just see right now the, the, your little children watching you on Strictly. <laughs> I don't know if I can connect the dots backwards in real life soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Laura, we are always going to end on the same question for every single guest. And this question is, we have kind of touched on it. But the question is, what advice would you give to your younger self? My younger self, oh, dump him sooner, but <laughs> honestly, do it as soon as like it feels that way. Just whip off the band-aid, don't dry out. But also the thing that served me the best, I think, is integrity for the whole process. Like I always say, integrity is absolute key. If you don't believe in what you're doing, if it doesn't feel right, even with relationships, like if you're do- like you have to stay so true to yourself. And if you're in situations where like this isn't right like just trust your own instinct you like in, i don't know integrity is key like don't do something for the free ride don't do something for the money don't do stuff off someone else's back like i want to be when i'm older look back at my life and be like i did that myself like i've always i, I this sounds so bad <laughs> say it anyway but like i've dated a lot of people in the public eye and you have not seen me in one newspaper the Daily Mail do not know who I am because I had never wanted my success to be off the back of someone else. Oh, I love that. And because I know on my deathbed that I want to be like, 
I did that. You like, did it, yeah. Just buying my own house, buying my, this has gone off the top of off integrity, but I know that like I need to do it for me and not, there's a lot of people who sat front row now at London Fashion Week that have bought their Hollywoods and the brandings don't seem to get onto it. It's really crazy. And all the influencers like, this is baffling because we can see it. We, I can spot a fake a mile off in this industry. And I'm like, it doesn't even bother me that they're getting that free ride because I know that would not, that's, that would not fulfill me in any way. Like, it can't take a, you can't take a shortcut to success. To success. Yeah, you <laughs> cannot take a shortcut to success. I love that. And you know what I've really learned through listening to you, Laura, is that, you know, being an influencer, you know, and doing it properly is, is a huge, amazing career opportunity. And which I kind of have always thought that, oh, that's nice, that's nice. But actually the intention that you had and then what you have built is, you know, absolutely remarkable. And I just feel like that people listening to this podcast will go, you know, if they did have that inkling, oh, so I'd like to do something like that, or I feel like I've got that in me. I feel like our chat today would have definitely inspired someone to take that next step, that next move to go, actually, this is a career that I would like to pursue because, you know, you are an excellent example of how successful you can be in this career. And interestingly, don't take no as like a, don't take, take no's as like something to work harder. Every single brand that I interviewed with for a job outside of uni, most of them I've worked, they've all said no. And I've worked with them later down the line as an influencer. So they said, no, should we work with them? But I've come back and worked with them as an influencer. And I've sometimes said no. <laughs> Amazing. So just because one knock back is set, you back, don't let it set you back. Like you can, you don't know where you're going in the future. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Exactly. Laura, it has been a pleasure speaking to you. We could like, talk. We could chat all day, couldn't we? But hours, I know. We need a 10 hour podcast. Yeah, um, we need to do the love life off, off, off the record. <laughs> I know. I want to know now. Who are these famous faces? Oh my gosh. I want to know. That's oh my God. I could I write a book on it. So bad. <laughs> love it. Yeah. You could, your next next career step would be like uh, TikTok love advice. <laughs> oh, I never give love advice. <laughs> Maybe when you're telling lies, it's not in the love department. That's for sure. <laughs> oh no it's been a pleasure I'm going to say thank you so 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 much it has just been amazing um, and if you are following Laura on any of the platforms please make sure you do uh, all her links are down in the show notes thank you